Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Sherry. This story has been widely requested on a lot of podcasts. It takes place in Bethesda, Maryland in the year 2011. It involves two female employees who were viciously attacked while closing up their store. One died from her injuries. The other survived and was able to tell what happened that night. The biggest twist of it all was yet to come. This is episode 21, The Yoga Store Murder. Let's jump to 2011 real quick so you can put yourself in that period of time. It was the year of the Japanese earthquake and tsunami. The Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl. Osama bin Laden was killed. People were playing a lot of the Angry Birds games on their phone. And lastly, my favorite, OMG and LOL were added to the Oxford English Dictionary. I definitely missed the year 2011. Brittany Norwood and Jaina Murray work at this yoga apparel store in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, this wasn't just any apparel store. Lululemon is a very high-end chain yoga clothing store, and the area of Bethesda that they work in is an upscale area. There's very little crime that happens there. I checked out their website, and Lululemon apparel is super expensive. A pair of yoga pants are around $125, and a tank top is around $75. So it's definitely a rich person type store. There's probably not a single thing in that store I'd ever wear, but it's a large, popular chain store. A little bit of background on the two employees who were closing up the store that night. If you look on the left of your screen, that's Brittany. The girl in the middle is Jaina. The girl on the right is me, and shout out to my son's friends who helped me make these avatar things. Brittany is 27 years old. She has been working in retail for a few years. She comes from a really good, prominent family. She was a star soccer player, and she studied sociology in college. Jaina is 30 years old. She has a bachelor's degree, and she was just a couple months away from receiving her master's degree from John Hopkins University. She is also planning on moving to Seattle with her boyfriend once she gets her master's degree. She enjoys volunteering at various places, and she was the sales team leader at Lululemon, and she was a key holder and was able to close or open the store. On the night of March 11th, 2011, Brittany and Jaina were finishing up their shift at the store and closing everything down for the night. They walk outside to their cars, and Jaina is walking further ahead of Brittany. It's about 9.45 p.m., so it's dark outside. Brittany remembers that she left her wallet inside, so she calls another employee on the phone and says, what's Jaina's number? She's walking ahead of me, and I need to tell her that I have to get my wallet out of the store. Again, Jaina is a key holder, and Brittany needs her to open the store back up so she can run in and grab her wallet. The other employee gives her Jaina's number. Brittany calls Jaina and asks her to turn around and go back in the store so she can retrieve her wallet. And Jaina tells her no problem because I actually left my laptop in there anyway. So the two women go back in the, into the store to get their items. The next morning, the store owner is opening her store and she sees the clothing racks have been ransacked. She sees something is off inside the store. The lights are still on from the night before. So she only steps in a few feet and she comes back out. Well, there is an Apple store next door. 
And there is a man named Ryan standing outside of the Apple store. He was waiting in line outside for the new Apple iPad 2 since that was the release day. You guys know when a new Apple product comes out, people will get to the store way ahead of time and wait in line. I've done it before for sure. Well, he's one of those people. The store owner goes over to him and she says something is very wrong at her store next door and she's scared. She doesn't want to go in there. She asks him if he could check it out. Now, he's a good Samaritan, and he says he'll go in and check it out so she doesn't have to. This is a bad, bad, bad idea, by the way. By her asking him to go into the store, she was potentially putting his life in danger. You don't send some innocent civilian in there if your store seems to have been robbed. She truly could have gotten him killed. You don't know what's waiting in there for you. You don't know if the perpetrator is still in the store. She should have just walked out and called the police. It was extremely poor judgment, in my opinion. You guys know how I am about crime scene contamination, and I'm sure it would have never crossed the mind of an average person when they're put in that situation. I know you listeners know better because I always preach about it. You don't go investigating it yourself and wind up getting implicated in a murder or ruining vital bloody footprints or whatever clues are there. Leave it for the professionals. But Ryan goes into the store to investigate. Again, he's just helping this distraught store owner. He sees clothing racks have been overturned. The store is a mess. He walks to the back storage room and what he finds waiting for him would forever change his life. There is blood everywhere. He finds Brittany tied up. She has her hands bound with zip, with zip ties above her head. She is injured, but she's alive and talking. Jaina Murray is laying on the ground and she's deceased. It was revealed that she was brutally attacked. Ryan runs out of the store and calls police. He doesn't know if the attacker is still in the store. Jaina Murray was beaten and stabbed, and this isn't just any attack. It's truly one of the worst I've ever heard of. Both of the women were raped with various objects, and I'm going to describe Jaina's injuries now if you want to skip ahead because this is graphic. Jaina received over 331 injuries. She was beaten with a hammer. Rope was tied around her neck, and she was stabbed hundreds of times. So out of the 331 injuries she received, 105 of them were defensive wounds, like the back of her arms or on her hands, meaning she was using her arms and her hands to block being stabbed to death. The death blow was when she was stabbed in the base of her neck. Part of her scalp was missing. Her left ear had been hit so many times that it was barely hanging on. The stabbing that took place on her head went all the way to her brain. Now, the strange thing was that all of the objects used to inflict all these injuries were items that were inside the store, like the stuff that employees would use in the back stock room, including a rope, a merchandise peg, a knife, a wrench, a hammer, and box cutters. It comes out in court down the road that Jaina was alive for most of the attack. The attack took approximately 20 minutes. The blood trail in the store indicated that she was crawling away, trying to reach the back door. The medical examiner said this was the most injuries she's ever seen on a body before, and since there was bleeding in most of the wounds, this indicates she was alive and breathing and she felt most of them. 
This is shocking to the upscale community, and everyone is panicking because there's a crazy killer on the loose now. Just to jump forward a few days, suddenly sales of taser guns and knives are going up in the community because women were scared and wanted to protect themselves. So Brittany gets taken to the hospital and police begin questioning her right away. This is the most important time because you'll begin to lose details as each hour passes. Brittany explains that she left her wallet in the store after they closed up the night before. So she called Jaina to come back and the two of them go back into the store and two men in black with ski masks followed them inside. They were ambushed and raped and Jaina was murdered. Brittany says she was tied up and left for dead. She is worried now because the men have her wallet with her ID in it, which contains her address. Brittany has cuts to her hands, her chest, her legs, and her forearms. The crotch of her pants had been cut open with a box cutter. Brittany's family, as I explained earlier, are a very good, prominent family, and they're very close-knit. They say Brittany can stay with them as long as she needs to while recovering from the attack. She's going to have a lot of PTSD and will need a lot of time to recover from seeing her coworker brutally murdered and right in front of her. The police were able to get security footage from outside the Apple store next door, and they spot the two men in black and they're seen walking. The men's identity is revealed and the police bring them in to question them. Now, these two men were ruled out as suspects because they were determined to just be two restaurant employees from the next door over, and they were just leaving their job at the restaurant around the same time. Their uniform is all black, so it was just a coincidence. They were not, in fact, the killers. They were just two young men who happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. These two young guys had to have been scared shitless getting interviewed by police. A few days have passed since the attack. The community is still reeling in shock. It's all over the news. A manhunt is still on for these two masked attackers. People are careful to lock their doors. No one wants to go anywhere alone at night. Employees in the area are afraid to close their businesses at night as well. Well, there's this one very young detective who is one of the investigators. He's brand new and this is his first murder investigation. He's feeling some kind of way about Brittany's story. He's thinking that things aren't adding up. Something about the randomness of the attack and why all the instruments used were items that belonged in the store and why Brittany was spared her life with minor injuries and Jaina was stabbed over 300 times. 300 stabbings seems like a very personal attack, the kind you would do to someone you hate. His fellow detectives tell him to be very careful with what he's thinking and how he's going to pursue this. They explain Brittany is black and Jaina is white. One wrong move and the media could go wild. You go accusing a black woman of murdering her white coworker and she's really innocent. This could turn out to be very bad. Forensics find bloody footprints near the body that were a men's size 14. Now, the strange thing here is that there's a pair of men's size 14 shoes in the store. They were on a display rack. They were shoes that the store would sell. The shoes had traces of blood on them. They were tinged with pink, like they had been washed. So this would mean the attacker would have had to come in the store, change his shoes, 
commit the murder, and then wash his shoes and put them back on the display rack? This doesn't make any sense. They look in Jaina's car, and forensics noted that there was blood in it. Why is there blood in Jaina's car when the attack happened inside the store? The car was parked three blocks away at a farmer's market. Brittany is brought in for questioning, and she's ready to go. She doesn't want to be here. She says, look, I've told you guys everything. I just want to get out of here. They collect her hair and fingerprint samples just as a standard procedure. Well, they ask her if she knew what kind of car Jaina drove, and she said she had no idea what kind of car Jaina drives, nor does she even know what it looks like. They tell her, well, there's this one small thing. You see, we found your blood inside Jaina's car. This is something that she wasn't prepared for. She doesn't know that she left blood in the car, so she doesn't know how to answer this you know, statement that these detectives are giving her. She says, you're right, I remember now. While they were being attacked, one of the men told Brittany to go out and move Jaina's car alone. The reason is because it was double parked out front. Remember, Jaina had to go back into the store to unlock it, so she just pulled up out front so she could run in. They told Brittany to move the car, and if you don't come right back, we'll find you and we'll kill you. Brittany says that while she was moving the car, she saw people, even a police officer, sitting down the road, but she didn't say anything to them because she was scared. She then walked back to the yoga store and let them finish their attack. They then began calling her racial slurs and took turns raping her. They even told her to lay on Jaina's body while they did it. We're going to get into more of this police interrogation soon, but let's talk about some of the things I feel like you guys would find important. The police interview Brittany's brother, and he's talking about his sister some, and he tells them a story about Brittany. He said once when Brittany was younger, her and her dad were out running errands or whatever. Her dad runs out of gas. He tells Brittany to stay in the car. I'll be back in less than 30 minutes with some gas and we'll continue on. Her dad leaves on foot to go get some gas in a gas can. He returns to the car and Brittany is nowhere to be found. She is later found at home. She had left the car and walked home instead of waiting on her dad. I don't know why her brother tells the police this. Maybe it's just to show them that Brittany is not just an ordinary person, but he just volunteered this information. So it's determined through interviews with people that knew Brittany that she is a kleptomaniac. She steals everything. The girls on her former soccer team said you couldn't leave your cleats or jewelry or anything like that laying around when Brittany is around because she'd steal it. So Brittany had come to work at Lululemon from a different Lululemon store. The reason she left that location and was transferred to another is because once a year, the store allows their employees this one day of major discounts. As an employee, you can purchase items from the store with a 70% discount. It caps out at $1,000. Well, the day had come for the employee discount. Brittany asked her manager if she could go a little over the $1,000 cap. Her manager says, all right, I guess, but keep this between us. And she wasn't thrilled about it, but she still agreed to let her do it. So she spends the next hour or two shopping around the store, well, Brittany rings up $2,200 worth of merchandise and ends up only having to pay $600 for it. 
Her manager finds out that she didn't just go a little over $1,000. She actually went over twice the set amount. So she's essentially fired for discount abuse, but she's told she could transfer to another Lululemon store and work there. So it was like being fired, but essentially it was just a transfer. Somebody else can deal with you. Let's get back to the police interrogation. They tell Brittany they don't believe her story about moving the car. She is getting really uncomfortable and is ready to go. What she doesn't know is that she's free to leave anytime she wants. Keep that in mind if you're ever being questioned by the police. You're free to go if you haven't been charged with anything. So Brittany thinks she's being held there and they're not going to tell her anything different. She asked to speak to her brother and sister alone. Her brother and sister arrive, and her sister gets so upset with everything going on that she just leaves. She doesn't want to hear any of this. Her brother stays alone in the interrogation room with Brittany. Brittany tells him that she's afraid there's video cameras or a recording device somewhere in this room. Her brother assured her he's checked the room out and doesn't see anything that would pick up on their conversation. Then he tells her, look, if you did something, you need to let me know. We'll get through it, but you have to tell me. Brittany cries that she ruined their family. Mom and dad don't deserve this. What have I done? Well, of course the room is bugged and the police are listening to everything she's telling her brother. They're likely high-fiving each other in the next room as they hear her. This is not a confession, but this is very important information. Brittany Norwood is placed under arrest for the murder of Jaina Murray. I know we all want to know what the motive is in this case. Why would Brittany just randomly attack her coworker? Why so brutally? I know coworkers can get into little spats, but this level of violence is unheard of. It's determined the reason Brittany attacked Jaina is this. Remember how Brittany was transferred from a different Lululemon store? Well, when she was transferred, her former manager called this store's manager and said, Brittany is pretty risky. She's abused her clothing discount and just keep your eyes on her. So the manager decides, decides that what whoever is closing up that night has to check employee bags for any merchandise. They don't want to single Brittany out. So it's a new rule across the board. Every night, somebody gets their bags checked. The night Brittany and Jana were closing... Jaina says, all right, Brittany, it's that time of the night. I got to check your bag. Jaina finds a pair of yoga pants in Brittany's purse. The pants were from the store. Jaina says, oh, okay, well, can I see your receipt for these pants? Brittany says she doesn't have a receipt, but another coworker is the one that rang her up. Jaina calls that other coworker and asks, hey, did you happen to ring up a pair of pants for Brittany? The other coworker says, no, she doesn't remember doing that. So it's obvious here that Brittany stole this pair of yoga pants. It's likely at this point that Jaina fired her. They leave for their cars, and then Brittany calls Jaina and says she forgot her wallet. Then the attacks happen once they were both back at the store. Brittany cracked Jaina over the head with a large metal bar, and then she chases her through the store, attacking her. All of the wounds that Brittany had received were self-inflicted or they came from Jaina defending herself. She then used her teeth to cinch the zip ties that were binding her hands. She also had no signs of being sexually assaulted, even though she claimed she was raped multiple times. 
She also used the men's size 14 shoes that were on display in the store to stomp around in the blood. This case shows that random attacks aren't as popular as you may think they are. What are the odds that two men were going to know these women were going to walk back into the store because they forgot something? Also, killers usually bring their own equipment. They're not going to use items laying around the store to carry out the attack. They're going to have their own knives or guns or whatever else. I'm going to post a video in the comments below of Jaina. She took this video and posted it to YouTube the day of her murder. And she's talking in the video and she's in the store. It's like a craft tutorial. She seems happy and healthy and has no idea what was waiting on her later that night. It's incredibly sad to watch this young woman who seems to have a beautiful life and knowing that less than a day later, she would be dead. The prosecution is wanting to find that the murder is premeditated. That would carry a longer sentence and would ensure that Brittany is locked up for the rest of her life. If they couldn't get that, she could be out in 15 years. Brittany's defense lawyers say that that isn't what happened. Brittany didn't plan out this attack. She's very sporadic, in-the-moment kind of person. She lashed out and she went crazy. They got in a horrific fight and Brittany used weapons. It wasn't planned. Her defense team also blamed injuries that Brittany had received from all of those years of playing soccer played a role in this. She had been hit in the head with the ball a lot of times through the years and caused a mental defect. The trial was very dramatic. The prosecutor even held up the rope that was used to strangle Jaina, and it had a bunch of her hair still connected to it. This caused audible gasps from the families and the jurors. The judge lashed out and laid into the employees of the Apple store next door. They claimed that they heard two women arguing loudly that night. They heard banging and shit being thrown around. No one bothered to call the police or go check it out. They thought it was just two women having an argument. They didn't want to get involved, so they just minded their business and continued closing their store. The judge also lashed out at Brittany and told her she was a good liar. He said that when thinking about what kind of sentence he was going to give her, he spent eight minutes making a stabbing motion with his arm in his hand and letting it hit the table. This was how long Brittany stabbed Jaina for. He said he had no sympathy for her, but only to Jaina's family. Brittany was found guilty of first-degree murder. In January of 2012, she received her sentence, which was life in prison without the possibility of parole. Today, she is 37 years old and serving her sentence at the women's prison in Jessup, Maryland. Jaina's family is still reeling in shock. This was their daughter, their sister, and to have to face her killer in court was incredibly hard on them. If alive today, she would be 40 years old. They have started a foundation in her name dedicated to promoting interests that were most important to Jaina, academics, athletics, travel, fine arts, and overall personal improvement. That's it for this week, and I'll see you guys again soon. Rest in peace to Jaina Murray, and much love to you all.